Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Raider Nation, welcome back and let's go. Long time no talk, but I'm back. I'm your host, Evan Grote. And we returned from our vacation in Florida. Beautiful weather down there. Temperatures in the mid-80s. It was definitely much needed. Uh, We had a great time. But it's back to reality now, and it's back to the podcast. And I'm happy to have you here joining me this week. Just Pod Baby is brought to you by SportsOnt.com. Also, please make sure you are subscribing to the show. Click that button, please. Go ahead and leave a positive review and a rating if you haven't done so yet. Also, follow me on Twitter at egroat5 and make sure you go out there and check out the website justpodbaby.com let me know what you think uh, you can find all the episodes all of the past episodes archived there over on the website now the plan for this week's show i want to get you my quick thoughts on Derek carr the new contract that news came down while i was away last week i had a couple of people reach out to me on twitter saying hey you're a little quiet about this extension what what are your thoughts and uh you know i had to tell them that i was a little bit busy uh, on vacation so i do want to get some of my thoughts out there some of my reaction uh, on the contract so i'll discuss that in segment one topic number two the draft just around the corner uh it really creeped up on me this year um you know round one week away now thursday night april 28th and the raiders they won't be selecting until pick 86 overall in round three do the Devonte adams trade but uh i'll take a look at and give you some of the positions that i believe uh are the biggest needs right now for the raiders as their roster currently stands and then in segment two we're going to take a look around the division, the AFC West, and and see where each of the teams stands heading into the draft. Major changes were made this offseason to all four teams in the division. We're going to highlight some of them and also get an idea of what the draft plans may look like for each of those teams. We're going to chat with a beat writer from each team, including Troy Rank, Broncos insider with ABC News 7, Denver, Gilbert Manzano of the SoCal News Group, and Adam Tyker, uh, ESPN NFL Nation. Uh, so a jam-packed show this week, a lot to get to. Let's dive in now. As I said at the top, the big news from the past week, Derek Carr's extension, which locks him up into the 2025 season. It was only a matter of time. We knew it was coming. We knew it was looming, especially after they made the trade for the Devontae Adams. It's a three-year, $121 million deal. Uh, when you look at the average salary, $40.5 million, that looks a bit steep. But make sure you're looking at the finer print here. you got to look at the fine print here, the breakdown of the deal. The 2022 season, his cap hit is around $19 million. It's that's, that's a good number. That number jumps to 34.8 in 2023, 43.8 in 2024, and 43.1 in 2025. But the Raiders... 
They do have the ability to get out of the contract should they feel the need to do so after the 2022 season with only a dead cap hit of uh, $5.6 million. And I believe that that um, they have to make that decision, I think it's three or four days following uh, this, this season or this upcoming Super Bowl. So uh, the Raiders have that ability should they want to exercise that. Derek Carr gets his no-trade clause, so he gets a little bit of security there and a little bit of a commitment. And, you know, I, I'm not going to beat around the bush here. I, I don't see how anyone can complain about this deal. I mean, it seems like a complete win-win situation uh, to me. You know, the organization, they get a guy who they believe they can win with right now in Derek Carr. He's an experienced quarterback. He's had success in the lead. Uh, league led his team to the playoffs last year. Uh, and they get him for a bargain in 2022. You know, 19, I believe it's 19.8 million. Even the car haters, even the guys who are most skeptical about him, they have to look at this as a fair deal for both parties, and they can't criticize him too much for this, I don't think. Now, if you follow me on Twitter, if you listen to the podcast, you know that I was open during the season. I thought it was time to move on. Um, this was during the, the losing streak they had. I, I knew there would be a new coach coming in, a new general manager. I, I thought a fresh start was needed. Uh, you know, things obviously have changed dramatically. Um, they they were able to kind of sneak into the playoffs. Uh, Derek Carr was, of course, a big part of that. Um, I never imagined that they could get a deal done to bring Devontae Adams in. I never thought Adams would would leave uh, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. They go out and sign a future Hall of Famer in Chandler Jones. Um, you know, they've made all kinds of moves here. And what Dave... Uh, Ziegler is now single, uh, signaling to the team and to the fan base is that he believes this team can win right now. And he believes that there's a window. You know, it may it may be two to three years based on kind of the terms of Carr's contract, but he thinks that a team that was 10 and 7 a year ago, you know, a playoff team a year ago with the addition of Adams and Jones and Rocky Sin and many of the others. You know, it, it, uh, with a much better play caller, keep that in mind as well. Josh McDaniels now calling the plays on offense, a more aggressive um, defensive coordinator and Patrick Graham, not so vanilla as Gus Bradley. Dave Ziegler believes the Raiders can contend in the AFC. And, and so, you know, he's they've gone all in. And anybody who's a fan of the team has to appreciate that and like that aggressive mindset. But getting back to the, the car contract, to me, what you're seeing from Derek Carr is he's betting on himself. He, he is confident that he will be successful this upcoming season. Uh, he's got a lot of guaranteed money coming his way over the next couple of years. Should it all work out? I believe it's up upwards of a hundred million dollars. And again, the cap hits over the next two seasons are manageable. And, and so you got to give him some credit because he did follow through on his word that he didn't need the whole bag, as as they say. He, he talked about it many times. Um, he once was the highest paid player in the league. He's been there. He's done that. His family are now financially set up. And his priorities now are, are on winning. Not to say that they weren't always on winning, but... He's in a different position now as he was back in twenty uh, the offseason of the 2017 season when he signed that contract. He's entering year nine now, still without a playoff win. And and he hears that, you know, he knows the narrative. And, and, and so now 
that is the most important thing uh, to him at this point in his career. Now, I'm sure many of you saw it by now. Uh, Vic Tafer of The Athletic, he wrote a piece on Monday. I recommend you go out there and check it out. He outlines three reasons why he believes Derek Carr took a, such a, a team-friendly deal. And I wanted to mention the third reason that Tafer uh, believes he took the deal. And I and I, I have to agree, I really do. Uh, he believes one of the reasons for the deal are Raider fans. <laughs> Some of the fans, to be fair, right? Um, we all know um, how divisive uh, the discussion on Derek Carr can be, how, how polarizing he is. But I believe Derek Carr wants to have the last laugh. You know, he he wants to show those doubters that he can get it done. And, and uh, you know, so I, I thought that was interesting to point that out for Tafe, from Tafer, and I, and I do believe it. Now, look, some of it's justified. Some of the criticism that Carr gets, I believe in some cases it's justified. But certainly, he does unfairly get the brunt of the blame as well. Now, Vic mentions... Uh, going back to the final game in Oakland where the offense was booed off the field in the final game there. And, and um, Carr is also very well aware of what's out there on social media, what, what the things that are being said about him. He He's talked about, you know, why he blocks people. Uh, you know, he wants to avoid the negativity that's out there uh, regarding him. He doesn't like it. And, and I can appreciate that. I do the same thing. And, uh, you know, when there's some trolls out there trolling me, I'll, I'll mute or block. And I can only imagine what it's like when you're a starting NFL quarterback. I mean, he hears the constant rumors year after year that the Raiders may have interest in other quarterbacks and, and are possibly trading or drafting other quarterbacks. And you know what? Rather than wanting out and, and, and ridding himself of the situation, of the the dysfunction that has been the Raiders organization, you know, since he's been there really, you know what? He's embraced it. And he and he wants to prove people wrong. He wants to be the one that finally turns it around. So, you know, however you feel about him, uh and again, I've my feelings are out there. Just go back and listen to the tapes. But I really do respect him for that. And, um, you know, that being said, I do expect him to play well this year. The talent surrounding him this year is as good as he's ever had. He's a big trust guy, a big comfort quarterback. And if you look back throughout his career at the rapport he has had with his top guys going all the way back to 2015 and 2016 with Michael Crabtree, that was his guy. He had the 100% trust in him. You know, since then he's developed that rapport with with Darren Waller. You can see that, and, and now Hunter Renfro, and 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 we certainly know the chemistry is there with Devontae Adams. So you have his top three weapons, his top three targets now, guys that he is one hundred percent comfortable with, confident in. The trust is there, so it's time to now put it all together. Uh, and, and, and make for a complete season. Now, I don't want to be one of those guys that says, you know, there's no more excuses for Derek Carr, but um, you know, I I think. I think it's fair to say that, you know, we have heard that for a long time. He doesn't have a number one receiver and, you know, whatever it may be. This is the year. It's got to happen this year. They got to put together a full season. You can't have these letdowns where the offense goes in these droughts. They got to get it done this year. And, uh, you know, to be honest, uh, kind of wrapping this up, I haven't really seen too many negative comments out there about the uh, about the extension. And, and that's that's saying something because we all know the cesspool that Twitter has become. You know, it's open forum for people to bash and criticize. So I do believe that 
most objective fans, anyhow, look at the deal as fair for both sides. But, uh, all right, moving on to our next topic here. Uh, that's the draft. Less than a week away now, and, and Las Vegas will play host to the draft for the first time ever. This is the rain check from the 2020 year when, when COVID canceled the in-person draft. So Las Vegas now gets a rain check and, and another opportunity to play host. Uh, the home team Raiders, unfortunately, or or fortunately, I guess, because however you want to look at it, um, they now have Devontae Adams. So that that is a good thing. But for fans of the draft, you, you won't be able to see your Raiders selecting on uh, day one. You're going to have to wait until day two, round three. So you're going to have to sit tight, but I I do want to share with you um, and discuss some positions that I would expect Dave Ziegler to uh, address with his five picks. Now, as it stands, they do only have five picks. Round three, 86 overall. Round four, 126 overall. Two picks in round five, back-to-back, 164 and 165. And then the final pick is in round seven, 227 overall. And, you know, through some digging that I was doing in prep for the show this week, I did notice that the Raiders have significantly less picks than the other teams in the division. The Chiefs the Chiefs have 12 picks this year. That is that is the most ever in any draft. They, that ties them with the Jaguars for the most picks ever. Um, the Chargers have 10 selections, and the Broncos have 8. Um, so in a division that is expected to be extremely competitive, I would say that the Raiders appear to be at a disadvantage as far as draft capital is concerned. Now, will those draft picks work out? That is something that we'll just have to kind of wait and see. But uh, as far as draft capital is concerned, they have significantly less. Now, in terms of positions of need, I don't have any hot takes here for you. You know, I'm sure you've read a lot of the same here. And if you listen to any other podcasts or Raider Nation Radio, I'm sure they're talking about a lot of the same here. You guys know the right side of this offensive line is a question mark right now. And to be honest, other than Colton Miller at left tackle, I don't think anyone is a sure thing. Now, they're not going to move on from Andre James, but this is a new regime. Who knows how they feel about him? Uh, you know, he was given that extension under under Mayock and Gruden and, and, and Tom Cable. So I think he's good for this year, but beyond this year, you, you never know. Um, I'd have to look at the terms of that contract, but... Uh, moving on, do you feel good about John Simpson at left guard? Denzel Good, he's back, returning from the torn ACL. I think it's fair to question how he will bounce back from that injury. I believe he is now age 31 or 32. They did also re-sign Brandon Parker and Jermaine Illuminor. Both of those guys saw time at right tackle last year. You feel good about running it back with those two guys? You tell me. <laughs> you let me know how you feel about that as as uh, you know going into another season with Brandon Parker as your starting right tackle. And then, of course, the biggest question mark of them all is Alex Leatherwood. Can he rebound from a very disappointing rookie season? New offensive line coach, Carmen Brasilio. Uh, you know, he's going to try to coach those guys up. Now, perhaps a new voice, a new vision uh, is needed. Um, but again, my concern is when you are picking in those mid to late rounds in the draft, nothing is guaranteed. So you need to make an upgrade here at the position. You need to bring somebody in. You know, of course, you could hit on a player in any round. It happens all the time. But is it is it safe to assume, you know, or expect a fourth or fifth round tackle to come in plug and play? I, I think that's a lot to ask. Um, of course, there is still free agency. There are players out there. I'd prefer to see them bring in a veteran. I'd have to um, 
take a look at who's still available. Um, but I, I think perhaps going that route might be um, the best decision at this point. Now, depending on where they believe Leatherwood fits best, if they view him as a right tackle, they may look to address guard. If they want to keep him at guard where he was to finish the season, they may look to go tackle. So they have some options there that I think need to be addressed along the offensive line, particularly on the right side. Um, looking at the defense, I personally th- still think defensive tackle could use some help. They did not retain any of the guys uh, from last year's unit with the exception of Jonathan Hankins. They did go out and sign Bilal Nichols, Kyle Pecco, Vernon Butler, and Andrew Billings. A lot of big bodies there, right? A lot of 300-pound-plus 300 guys there. But outside of Nichols, none offer much in the pass rush department. And we've seen over the years how not having a that push up the middle, how that affects the guys coming off the edge. Think about Khalil Mack and, and, and Bruce Irving years ago. They had nothing on the inside, and that really affected them. And as good as Max Crosby and Chandler Jones are, they're going to need something coming from that interior. Now, to me, Nichols is the wild card. He's a versatile player. Uh, he can play up and down the line. But when, when I spoke with Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times a few weeks ago on the podcast, uh, you know, he didn't exactly give him a glowing report. He believed Nichols had a disappointing fourth year in Chicago, which ultimately led to the Bears deciding to move on and, and walk, let him walk in free agency. He, he needs to be a factor rushing the quarterback. That's my two cents on that. And then the other big need that remains is that safety. You've got Trayvon Merrig at free safety. He had a good but not great rookie year. He didn't hear his name called a lot, which for a rookie, that's a good thing. He didn't make a lot of mistakes. But I think Raider fans would like to see him make some more plays, create some takeaways, get him maybe some more PBUs. And that was an area that he was very, very good in college. Looking at the strong safety position is the one that you know could use some help. At this point, you've got two guys. You've got Jonathan Abram and free agent acquisition Deron Harmon. And it looks like those two guys are going to battle it out right here for the job. Uh, but when you look at the position long-term, Abram most likely won't have his fifth-year option exercise. And Harmon is 31 years old. He's on a one-year deal. So I think it would be wise to begin to plan for the future by looking to add a safety uh, in this year's draft. All right, so there is my quick little rundown of some positions of need that I believe should be addressed in the draft. I'm going to step aside now, get to a quick break. When I return, we're going to go behind enemy lines and chat with beat writers from all three teams in the AFC West division. Uh, So we'll do just that when we get back, uh, see where those three teams currently stand heading into the draft. Don't go anywhere. Still lots to do here on Just Pod Baby, brought to you by SportsNot.com. You're listening to Just Pod, baby. Part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. Let's go! And now, back to your host, Evan Grote. All right, welcome back. Just Pod, baby, segment number two here this week, just a week before the draft. What we're going to do now is we're going to go behind enemy lines. You know what they say. They say keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to go out to the phone lines and welcome in our first guest this week to give us a rundown of the L.A. Chargers. And they had a really busy offseason, uh, much like the Raiders. And they hold 10 picks in the upcoming draft, so still plenty of additions that can be made for them. And the man in charge of covering it all 
for the SoCal News Group joins us now. That's Gilbert Manzano. Gilbert, we thank you for your time and hope that you're doing well. Hey, Evan, I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on again because uh, it's uh, NFL draft season uh, and, and you know that possibility in the, in the draft are always endless, so I'm ready to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been a while since we had you on, but we're, we're happy to get you back here again. And um, so let's, let's dive right into it. It's been an absolutely wild off season uh, for the NFL, particularly in the AFC West division. It's been an arms race and the Chargers have been heavily involved in that. And I want to start with the defensive edition that they've made and I, I think it's well known that the Chargers they had one of the most dynamic and high-powered offenses in the NFL last season averaging 28 points a game but the Achilles heel for them was their defense uh, they ranked 30th in points allowed and were especially porous uh, against the run and, and that obviously didn't sit well with their defensive minded head coach uh, Brandon Staley so they went out and they attacked it uh, bringing in several new faces, uh, Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, Sebastian Joseph Day. So just give us some of your reaction uh, to the, some of the moves that were made on the Chargers defense. Yeah, it's not a surprise that they went all in uh, on this defensive makeover because that was what kind of cost them, you know, that playoff spot. As you know, Evan, like, like a wild game in Las Vegas, you know, you win and you're into the playoffs. It didn't work out for the Chargers because of, you know, bad defense. It was a shootout. And, and it was kind of fitting that their season ended on that, uh, I think it was a third and 10 or fourth and 10, whatever it was, Josh Jacobs. And they couldn't stop the run. Like everybody knew what the, what the Raiders were going to do. And they couldn't stop the run. Brandon Staley got heat because he called a timeout and he wanted to put his best, uh, run defense out there. And if that was his best, that shows they have a lot of problems with stopping the run. Uh, so, you know, uh, picks that kind of were under the radar. I mean, sorry, signings. I'm going to think in draft, uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, these uh, defensive tackles who are not, you know, household names, but they're young. They have the traits that Staley looks for, big body, big size. Uh, like they had Justin Jones a, a year ago. He was their best uh, a run defender, a run stopper, uh, but he was a little underside. Staley wanted big bodies, and, you know, when you're trying to be savvy with the salary cap and you're trying to make pieces work and you got to pay people, I think he went with upside, young talent that he could, he could bank on and coach up to kind of fix that run defense. I'm not sure they did enough there up top in the, in the interior, but it looked better. And then obviously the big guns came out with Khalil Mack, uh, former Raider, as you guys know, uh, and then uh, J.C. Jackson for, for the secondary. So they got their playmakers, uh, but playmakers don't work without stopping the run. And I think the Chargers did enough to kind of untap that, you know, that daily defense for the future. So, uh, you could tell they, they they were really itching to fix that defense because the year before was all about Justin Herbert and protecting him. And they ha- they still have some issues on the offensive line, but they did enough. You know, Herbert got 5,000 passing yards, so whatever they were doing there was great. Now you got to fix the defense, and you fix that, you're, lo- you're looking in good shape. Yeah, you know, you, you talked a little bit about the offense there, and and you know, I mentioned how good they were a year ago, um, and, and I, I you know look at some of the moves they made in the off season. They were able to lock up Mike Williams, which I thought that was a really smart move by them uh, to do that. And then they bring in a new tight end uh, in Gerald Everett, who's only twenty seven years old, and he's coming off a, a career year in Seattle. So, so what is your take on the Chargers' offense? Now you mentioned uh, you know possibly needing a little bit more help on the offensive line, uh, but what do you feel about the offense you know being led by Justin Herbert here entering year three yeah you know they, they had a great you know first year under Brandon Staley you know fixing that offense and making sure Justin Herbert's comfortable and doing things uh, well uh, but it was kind of small signings here and there you mentioned uh, Gerald Everett at tight end uh, and it seems like they're going to go for another rotation there you know they kind of just got rid of Jared Cook and plugged in Jared Cook 
uh, sorry, Gerald Everett and, and see how it goes with, you know, Donald Parham, uh, their second year player, Trey, uh, Trey McKitty, who's kind of more known for blocking. So kind of, they don't have a star tied in like the Raiders with Darren Waller, but they have a kind of a, a, a guy who does a little bit of everything. You kind of have the combo guy with Gerald Everett, uh, your red zone threat with Donald Parham, and then your, your blocking guy uh, with McKitty. Uh, and then, you know, it, it, was kind of, it was kind of the same thing after that for, for the offense. It was kind of, you know, so far it's been kind of the same thing. Uh, they paid Mike Williams. They kept them in house, but the same phase. Uh, but And that was kind of something they had to take care of. You had to pay Mike Williams because, again, I keep going back to that crazy game, Week 18 in Las Vegas. Everybody saw what Mike Williams does in the fourth quarter. Uh, so you had to keep him. And you have Keon for another year. Austin Eckler comes back. So a lot of familiar faces. Uh, but the big thing they need to do in the draft is address the right side of the offensive line. You know, Rashawn Slater, Corey Lindsey, Matt Filer, you're looking great there. But that rest of the offensive line, as Max Crosby knows, uh, you don't want Storm Norton playing right tackle because uh, he, he kind of got paid after that game because uh, Max Crosby went went nuts twice against uh, Storm Norton. So uh, it's kind of the same same old same old on, on, on offense, but they got to you know you know add more pieces on the offensive line and also maybe um, find a, a work not a workhorse running back but a bigger body running back for the short yardage kind of situation because Austin Eckler is great. He's a good uh, pass catching running back, but he's not that kind of bruiser. Uh, that you need and so uh you know maybe find a uh, a running back as well and you got to get some speed uh on the offense but so far what they did a year ago it's great that that wasn't it's not a broken offense they had some down some ups and down but for, for the most part they looked okay and when they have a quarterback that that good and justin herbert they tend to figure it out but it's not a finished product by any means but they're getting closer uh, we're joined this week on Just Pod Baby by L.A. Chargers beat writer Gilbert Manzano, giving us a rundown of the Chargers offseason additions. And, you know, Gilbert, I, I do want to jump into the draft a little bit now. Um, you know, it's just, just days away now, and I want to ask you about some of the needs that you believe still remain uh, with that Chargers team. They have 10 selections in this year's draft. They're going to be picking uh, 17th overall in round one, uh, and then again uh, in round three, 79 overall. You mentioned uh, two positions already, offensive line uh, as, a, as a need, and, and you mentioned running back as well. It, it, are, are those two positions that you expect them to attack early with those first two picks, or are there any other positions that you could, you could see them possibly uh, you know, using to, to, for those picks? Uh, with the running back, I, I think it is uh, a focus or a need for them because you know Austin Eckler's getting a little older and he's not a he's not a, a big body running back, so there's a lot of wear and tear. But I think they'll wait for that as most teams do nowadays, wait for a running back in the middle rounds or even later rounds, which is crazy because the Chargers have tried the running back rounds, but they can't find a running back in the later rounds. So maybe they'll reach a little earlier this year, uh, but they don't have a second round pick because of the Khalil Mack trade. You know they 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 drafted Joshua Kelly from UCLA two years ago. He hasn't really panned out. They drafted uh, Larry Roundtree in the sixth round last year. They didn't really do much a year ago. So they've been trying, but they still got to find that uh, that Melvin Gordon replacement. It's been a couple of years and they haven't done it yet, but I think they'll wait on that. Now, the kind of the tricky part is I think the two biggest needs, and it might be a tie, uh, one is obvious, offensive line, get a tackle, or even an offensive guard because they're missing a right guard right now at the moment. Uh, and the other one is kind of a surprise is, is cornerback. You know, they got J.C. Jackson. They got Asante Samuel Jr., uh, Michael Davis is, is also kind of a decent piece, so they, they have some playmakers there. Uh, but Brandon Staley knows what he's gonna going up against in the AFC West. Evan, you know Derek Carr, Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know Russell Wilson. And so that's, that's six games a year right there, and you got to have a lot of DBs to, to kind of go against the Devontae Adams. No more Tyreek Hill, but you know Patrick Mahomes will figure it out. 
uh, Russell Wilson has, Jared Judy, uh, Corlin Sutton, and those guys over there in Denver. So the more DBs, the better. But at pick 17, you're in the middle round, and, and, and the kind of possibilities are a little, you know, a little endless. I feel like, you know, I, I've been trying to figure out what's going to happen at 17 because if the plan is tackle or cornerback, the guys that are at the top of the crop are pretty much gone by then. You talk about uh, Charles Cross, Trevor Penning, uh, the the big guys, Neil and Nicky, those guys are probably gone. And that cornerback, Stingley, might be gone. Well, probably for sure, I feel like. Ahmad Sauce, another guy. And Trent McDuffie might be a guy who'll probably be gone too. So what do you do if those two positions are gone? Do you reach? Do you kind of trade down? Uh, do you go for an offensive guard in, in Zion Johnson or a Kenyon Green? And I, and, and you see all these debates, and, and I kind of think about it. Well, they do need to stop the run. I think they still need a little more there after Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson. So maybe Jordan Davis from Georgia, the big boy there, might be available. But he did so well at the combine. He might be another guy who will be gone at 17. So uh, it could be a wide receiver. They need speed. It's more of a luxury pick. But uh, I know Brandon Staley wants to push the ball down the field, and they're missing that kind of speed threat. Uh, they have great wide receivers, but uh, they don't have the speed. So they, they might go like for a Jameson Williams. That's another guy who might go top 10. So it's kind of hard to figure out this draft. Uh, I've been looking at mock drafts. I've been doing my own mock drafts. But if I had to kind of rank them, it would be a tackle or, or, or a corner. And then you go for the luxury with the wide receiver. So maybe, you know, say Jameson Williams is off the board. Uh, maybe a Chris Olave might be intriguing. A, a Johan Dotson from Penn State. So, I don't give any a bunch of scenarios and, and, uh, and names, but that's what happens when they're in the middle of the pack of the first round, uh, and they got multiple needs to address. Yeah, no, I, I think you're 100 percent on the money, and and in fact, in, in my notes, I felt like you were reading right off my notes. Uh, I actually I wrote down Jordan Davis, and I also wrote down Chris Olave and Jamison Williams because you know for this whole process, I I felt like Jordan Davis was like just a, such a great fit for what the Chargers need. They need a they need it to help that run defense, and I and I think uh, although he had an excellent combine, he could be there at 17. And then the other thing I was thinking, um, you know, definitely not a need wide receiver. But if there is one thing that that wide receiver room lacks, it's a it's a burner, right? A guy who can, yeah. can take the top off the defense. So it, it, it's going to be a tough decision for them at 17. But like you said, they should have plenty of options. So I, I agree with you there. And, you know, I got one final question here for you, Gilbert. I think it's very interesting. Um, you know, since since 2016, going back to the 2016, every team. Uh, has been looking up at the Chiefs in the AFC West, West Division. It's been the Chiefs. It goes through Kansas City, and the mission has been to try to dethrone them. And, and this offseason, with the amount of upgrades that have been made, um, you know, I, I'm hearing uh, similar messages coming from Denver and Las Vegas and the Chargers that uh, they all believe that they now have the pieces in place to finally take down the Chiefs and, and contend not only in the division but in the conference, in the playoffs, and make a deep run. So I ask you, as a guy who follows the Chargers on a, a day-to-day basis, do you believe this is the year the Chargers break out and put it all together and have a playoff-caliber season? Yeah, you know, it was starting to look that way when they were going all in with Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson uh, and the two defensive tackles and all the moves they made in the offseason. And then you see what the Raiders do, get Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones, uh, you know, to get a new coach sometimes that might, might benefit them, who knows, in year one. You see what the Broncos do, Russell Wilson. So uh, it seems like, you know, the Chargers caught the Chiefs, especially when they traded Tyreek Tyre Hill. They kind of seem like they're on, they're now on at least on paper on even ground. It seemed like, and then oh, they're not alone. You got the Broncos, you got the Raiders. So I think it's anybody's race, you know. And, and that might be 
you know, I guess my answer, that might answer your question. I think that the Chargers are well positioned to finally beat the Chiefs and win the division, but now they have more competition, so it makes the division very exciting. And, and it's funny because, you know, I still got to see what the Chargers do with the offensive line, and, and, and I'm not convinced they fixed the run defense just yet. So but that's what you got the draft, and maybe I'll have a better assessment after that. But I can't count out the Chiefs just yet. Maybe in the short term they're going to struggle uh, without Tyreek Hill. But what do they get? Like we were mentioning, a, a Chris Alave or a burner like that or, or, or Traylon Burks, and, and they're, they're cooking again. So I won't count out the Chiefs just yet. But it, it, just to answer your question, I think this is the year to kind of set up to do it. And then, uh, you know, for the Chargers, you know, they, they got to keep pushing because after that, you got to pay Justin Herbert his money. You know, as the Raiders found out after they paid Derek Carr, uh, and the Chiefs found out after paying Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, you can't spend as much when, you, when players are not on a rookie deal. So I think this is a year for the Chargers to do it. They're going all in. Uh, and, and let's see what they do for year three of Herbert. Yeah, absolutely. Herbert's going to become a very, very wealthy man here in the near future. Uh, Gilbert Manzano, excellent rundown and insight for us. We appreciate you and the time tonight. Keep up the great work, and uh, we'll, we'll try to get you on again here sometime down the road. Thanks again. Sounds good, Evan. That was fun. appreciate your time. All right, that was Gilbert Manzano, SoCal News Group. Always does a great job. Good to have him back on. It had been a couple years, but... Uh, you know, I think he made valid points there. Uh, upgrades need to be done at the offensive line, of course. You know, you could say that for all the teams in the division. You know, when you look at the pass rushers, the edge rushers that are in this division now, you better have tackles that can protect your quarterback, especially a quarterback like Justin Herbert, who, you know, is the future of that team. He's the franchise quarterback there. So uh, good stuff by Gilbert. We're going to keep things moving along here. Go back out to the phone lines now. Welcome in Troy Rank. He's a Broncos insider for ABC Denver 7. He's also the host of his own Broncos podcast and he's been on with us before kind enough again to help us out again so we thank him for that and and Troy when you look around the AFC West division the way it stands now it's as competitive on paper at least as it's ever been in the Broncos they were also major players in free agency and in the trade market they made a big time addition at the game's most important uh position of course I'm talking about Russell Wilson and and to me when I look at that move, it has the same sort of feel as back in the 2012 season when Denver went out and, and signed a uh, free agent at the time, Peyton Manning. And uh, over the past couple of years, many believed out there that Denver, they were just a quarterback away from being a little bit more relevant in the AFC. They have now filled that void. So what's your take on that? With Wilson under center now, are the Broncos a legit contender in the AFC? They are. Uh, the veil of darkness is lifted after six years of just brutal quarterback play. Six years without the playoffs are the first team to ever win a Super Bowl and go six straight years without reaching the playoffs. Five straight losing seasons for the first time since 1963 to 72. That predates their entry into the NFL. Um, it is just, it's hard to describe how bad they've been at that position and how underwhelming, whether it's from turnovers, uh, inability to have deep strikes, third downs, Red zone. They haven't averaged 21 points a game since Peyton Manning retired. They've had 11 different starters. Two have had a winning record. That is Trevor Simeon, two games over 500 at 13 and 11, and Brett Rippon at 1 and 0. So, yes, uh, with Russell Wilson, he's a future Hall of Famer. For me, he's been a modern day Roger Staubach. Now, he didn't run as much last year, but it's absolutely energized the team, it's caffeinated the city. Uh, the Broncos are always the most popular team in this area, in this region, but it has just given everyone a jolt knowing that 
they have their quarterback now. No more excuses. No more issues with the offense. It's time to move forward and get back to the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, th- you mentioned the past six years. Um, the defense has has been a strength, you know, and it's so it's unfortunate that they weren't able to get that quarterback position solidified. Uh, and I do want to speak a little bit more about the defense. They added um, an edge rusher and Randy Gregory, uh, as well as a defensive tackle DJ Jones to uh, a defense that was already pretty pretty solid. Uh, gave up only eighteen points a game last year. Do you expect that side of the ball to, to pick it right up where they left off a year ago? Yeah, I mean it was an interesting thing about the defense and. and- Coach Vic Fangio took great pride in it. I think he made it too personal and it allowed him to have a blind eye to what was going offensively and on the special teams. But they were a good defense. Anyone who tells you they were great, they were not. Their points per game, they hang their hat on. But the reality is they couldn't get off the field against the run in critical games, against the Raiders twice, against the Browns. They literally got walked off on a seven-minute drive to end a Thursday night game. They couldn't get off the field against the Bengals. And they were right in the bottom third, right around 20th in takeaways and sacks. And that was a direct reflection of their offense thinking because they don't, they don't lead enough. And when you don't lead in the NFL, teams are so averse to turning the ball over, they go to four-minute offenses. They you know do quick drops with their passing attack. They don't put the ball in harm's way. So the defense is good. There, there's some concerns that they're really thin at cornerback, even with the addition of Kwan Williams from San Francisco, they're counting on guys that, to stay healthy. Ronald Darby doesn't have a great history of that. Kwan Williams is a little healthier. Pat Sertan's a future all-pro for me. But they're going to have to add a couple corners in the draft and or free agency. But Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb, those are the two keys, honestly, when you ask about can this defense kind of take a next step forward. They have a new coordinator in uh, – Ivaro from the Rams, who's going to be more aggressive than Spangio was. Same scheme, but he's more uh, bent on making the quarterback uncomfortable. And they need Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb to be on the field and both have a history of missing games. Gregory for substance issues, you know, violating the personal conduct policy. And Chubb has just had issues with knees and ankles and or knees and feet and ankles. So that is the one thing I think they're rolling the dice on. I, I root for Chubb. I know him. I, I think he will rebound. Gregory, I just don't know. It feels like he's going to have a slow start to the season because he had rotator cuff surgery, and he's not going to do anything this off season. So he might not be a factor until maybe like October 1st, but they're going to need he and Chubb to play well if this team's going to go 11-6 and six and you know get into the playoffs. Uh, joining us on Just Pod Baby is Broncos insider Troy Rink from ABC Denver 7. Uh, we're, we're chatting about Broncos offseason moves. Um, now, in addition to the Russell uh, Wilson uh, quarterback uh, trade, they and we talked about some of the moves they've made on defense, the Broncos also hired a new head coach this offseason, offensive-minded uh, and, and first-time head coach Nathaniel Hackett. What, what's your assessment of that hire, and, and what type of impact do you expect uh, him to make on this team? Well, they've leaned into going young and going offensive. They're following the stream now, finally. I mean, they went against the grain with Fangio with kind of a quasi-old-school, defensive-minded coach trying to win games 20-17, to which is just not sustainable in the modern NFL. Hackett, he checks the boxes in terms of being open-minded offensively. He's worked with a high-profile quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, and he understands the challenges 
of working with a quarterback who becomes your kind of quasi offensive coordinator. And he is a guy who stresses innovation. He stresses energy and he stresses relationships, all things that frankly were absent the last few years. That just wasn't Fangio's style. I mean, Hackett is a former hip hop dancer. He loves Step Brothers and funny movies. And he's just, he's so energetic in the way he comes across. And Fangio was more like kind of Eeyore in his energy and personality, which it doesn't mean he didn't know football. He did. But I do know that at times he struggled to connect with players on the roster. That shouldn't be an issue. All that said, they have a lot of guys in positions they've never been in before, from Hackett to Coach E, the defensive coordinator, to the special teams coach, to you know the OC who's going to work with Hackett. All these guys are basically in these positions for the first time. So there's going to be some growing pains. And how quickly can Hackett adapt? Because the patience won't be there with Russell Wilson in terms of the fan base. If he didn't have Russell Wilson, they'd be, you know, that buys you time. Well, now it's playoffs or bust for this team. So that's the part I don't know. He's never been a head coach, but I love his energy. Yeah, absolutely. You make a good point there. Expectations are going to be sky high for this team, and 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 they're in win now mode, and that's what the fan base is going to expect. Uh, so that's a good point there. Now, Troy, I, I do want to move into some draft discussion here before I let you run. Um, you mentioned the need at cornerback. Um, what else would you consider uh, a need that the the Broncos would would have to look to address here in the, in the upcoming draft? Yeah, they've got some areas they need to address. Cornerback for me is number one in terms. It doesn't have to necessarily be a pick sixty four. But they've got to add a couple corners in the draft, and maybe one is a free agent, a veteran free agent, or a street free agent, because they are they only have five cornerbacks on the roster right now. So they're going to add cornerbacks, inside linebacker, because I mean they got Alex Singleton, they have Josie Jewell, but those aren't I mean those look much more like short term answers than long term. So they could look at, at linebacker at sixty four, corner at sixty four. They need to add at least one tight end in the draft. They would love it to be Trey McBride, the local kid from Colorado State, but I don't see him being available in their first pick at sixty four. I just don't think that's realistic at all. And then they're going to look to add at least one offensive tackle to protect maybe a long term future bet on a long uh, right tackle. Maybe that's in the third round. And they're going to go after a safety probably with Kareem Jackson in his final year here, it appears. You've got to set yourself up there. They have Caden Stearns, but it would not surprise me if they took a safety. And then a running back, you know, somewhere in those middle rounds. You take one of the Georgia running backs. You take the kid from Arizona State. I mean, they've got – they're going to have to add a running back unless, you know, Melvin Gordon's price drops to the point they bring him back at $3 Right now it's Javante Williams and Mike Boone and – Boone got no run last year at all, so I would think they're going to add a running back as well. But quarterback, tight end, tackle, linebacker, kind of the ones that jump off the page in terms of needs in the draft. Yeah, and I did see the Broncos do have eight selections in this year's draft. You mentioned they they select first. Uh, th- their first pick will be in round two, 64 overall. They've got a couple third-round picks as well as a couple fourth-round picks. So, uh, you know, there's a possibility that maybe they could look to package some some picks together and, and move back into round one, but we'll just have to wait and see uh, how that all plays out. Troy Rank, thanks so much for a few minutes of your time tonight. Uh, you gave us a nice little rundown there of the Broncos offseason additions and, and, you know, possible draft plans. So we appreciate you and, and Keep up the great work. Thanks for coming on tonight. Anytime. Glad to be on it. Have a great show. Take care. 
All right, that was Troy Rink, Broncos insider. And, you know, when I think about the Broncos, um, you know, I, I think they're going to be a dangerous team. And, uh, you know, having Russell Wilson now at quarterback is going to make a, a huge difference for this team. And, uh, you know, I, I know there's there's mixed opinions out there on, on Russell Wilson. Some believe that, uh, you know, his, his play uh, was is definitely on the decline. Um, I'm in the belief that I still think he's got some some couple good years left in in him. Uh, I think the the injury last year obviously played a, a major role in that. He came back way too soon. He was on my fantasy team, so I followed him very closely last year. And I think you know looking back on the past two seasons, you know he was button heads with with the head coach, and he was very unhappy and obviously wanted a change of scenery. And I think that change of scenery will will do him uh, will do him some good here. Um, with with the Broncos, um, what I do want to do now, though, is I I, I want to uh, bring in our final guest this week as we continue to go behind enemy lines here in segment two to get you a feel of of the division here just a week before the draft. Let's say hello to Adam Teicher of ESPN NFL Nation who covers the Chiefs. And Adam, we thank you for the time. And I was just speaking with with writers from from Denver and and the Chargers, and it's interesting interesting to me because like the Raiders, both of those two teams have loaded up their rosters, uh, whether it was through trades or, or, or through free agent acquisitions this offseason, in hopes of closing the gap between themselves and the Chiefs, who have, have owned the AFC West division since 2016. And, and then you look at the Chiefs, and their approach ha- has been completely different. It, obviously, their cap situation is different. Their roster is in a much different place than, than these other three teams in the division. But they decided to unload one of their stars through a trade, which... You know, some of the pundits out there believe that that's really kind of even the playing field and leaves the door wide open for another team to finally dethrone the Chiefs as the AFC West champ. So let's start right there. What's your take on that? Without Tyreek Hill in the mix for Kansas City, do you feel the AFC West is as wide open as it's been in a long time? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you know, particularly if the season were right now, um, I'm not sure I would have the Chiefs as my favorite uh, going into the season. Um, I, I really like the moves some of the AFC West teams made. And uh, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think they've closed the gap and maybe close it completely. Um, you know, so at least in the case, maybe the Chargers, the Broncos, I'm not sure about the Raiders, but we'll see. But here's the thing. I mean, all the other teams have kind of had their fun now uh, up to this point in free agency. And now it's the Chiefs time. They've got, Two picks in the first round, two picks in the second round, two picks in the third round, two picks in the fourth time. They they can really go a long way towards improving themselves. And whereas uh, most of the other teams in the uh, division, or actually all of them, uh, um, the Raiders don't have a pick. What in the first or second round? Correct. The Chargers don't have a first round pick or, or a second Denver. round pick. I think it is. Broncos don't have one at least in the first yeah. round. So you, this is the Chiefs' time to uh, to really step on the gas and and do something here. So uh, you know, we'll see whether they take advantage of it. Now that's a different story completely. They might or they might not. But uh, um, I do feel like um, you know, the Chiefs can really help themselves. So they can do a lot of different things, move up, uh, stay where they are and pick and, and, and have a chance to get some pretty good players. So we'll see what they do, but I feel like this is their chance to um, sort of uh, make gains in the off season that the other teams made. 
Yeah, I think you're I think you're right about that. And we'll get more into the draft here in just a few moments. But I want to go back to the Tyreek Hill thing just for a moment. What what exactly do you think the plan is in Kansas City right now to replace that production left behind from Tyreek Hill? He was just such a unique, dynamic player with his his game breaking speed and, and the attention that he draws from opposing defenses, it's very hard to replace that. And, and I know they've signed a couple of wide receivers, Juju uh, Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And, of course, you alluded to the draft, which is coming up. Um, but it, it seems to me that the philosophy is, look, we've, we've got Andy Reid designing and calling our plays. We've got an all-world quarterback and Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. And, and so we believe we can get it done with, with average pass catchers. What's your take on that? Am I, am I reading that correctly? Well, you know, let, let's again, let, let's see where they are when the season starts. I mean, um, you know, right now uh, they're not done, and I'd be stunned if they didn't pick up at least one wide receiver on, on the first couple days of the draft and maybe the first day of the draft. And, and uh, certainly uh, um, there may be more than one wide receiver on the first couple days of the draft. So we'll, we'll see what the Chiefs do and, and uh um, so I'm going to hold off on saying, uh, you know, this is what they are, a, a wide receiver. I mean, there is definitely room playing time for somebody, whether it's a rookie or somebody else. So we'll see where the Chiefs go from here. Um, so, but, um, you know, the, the, you know, the thinking was, uh, you know, that, that they, the Chiefs have a lot of people to pay. I mean, uh, you know, they, they've got a lot of big contracts starting with the, you know, Patrick Mahomes contract, they have a lot of uh, big uh, financial uh, burdens the, the next few years, and didn't feel like they had they could commit to doing that again. So, with another player, and and so why not? Um, you know, hey, the Chiefs weren't going to trade Tyreek Hill for nothing. I mean, they they weren't going to you know get a draft pick or two. I mean, they got five draft picks. Um, you know, one in the uh, one in the first round, one in the second round this year, and uh, you know those things can go a long way towards uh, you know trying to uh, um, you know cover for the loss of Tyreek Hill. I'm not going to tell you the Chiefs are going to be as good offensively as they might have been under uh, w- with Tyreek Hill. I mean, uh, you know, he everybody knows how fast he is, but he does so many other things at an elite level with his quickness and his uh, you know vision after he catches the ball and and uh, his ability to track the ball down the field, his ability not to slow down when he's looking over his shoulder, running downfield, looking for a ball. I mean, he, he just, he, he really has a unique set of skills that make him what he is. And you can't replace that. You just, it just won't be, it, it's not going to happen. So, um, you know, we'll have to see what the, uh, what the chiefs do here in, in terms of, uh, you know, trying to replace him. But, um, um, you know, the, the, the fact is they can make a lot of gains, even if they're not quite as good uh, offensively, they still can make some gains and uh, cover a lot of ground offensively that would, uh, um, you know, make this thing look a lot different for sure. Now, Adam, of course, I got to ask you, you know, you, we, you heard the other day, uh, Debo Samuel uh, demanding a trade now. And I, I saw some people out there suggesting that, you know, the Chiefs could be a good landing spot for him. Obviously, he'd be a great fit with a coach like Andy Reid and the Chiefs. And they've got the draft capital to get it done. But, you know, they weren't willing to pay Tyree Kill. Do you think they would now be able to, to give up the picks uh, and then be able to pay Debo? What, what, what do you think for that about that? Well, the, the Chiefs, it makes no sense for them to trade Tyreek Hill and then turn around and trade at least some of those picks they got for Hill 
for Debo Samuel or, or somebody else and then have to sign that player to a big contract that they wouldn't give Tyreek to Tyreek Hill. If you're just going to do that, keep Tyreek Hill. So that's not the plan. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but I, I, I can't see it happening. I, I don't think uh, you know, that's what the Chiefs are going to do here. And, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, when, when all is said and done exactly what, uh, what happens. But I, I just don't see it. Um, that, that just makes no sense. Uh, to to turn around and do that um, after you've traded Tyreek Hill. I mean, if you're going to just go ahead and swap Tyreek Hill for Debo Samuel, that that makes no sense at all. So I just don't see it happening. Uh, um, I I think the Chiefs seem to be more um, looking towards the draft at this point. We are chatting with uh, ESPN NFL Nation a reporter for the Kansas City Chiefs, Adam Teicher. Let, let's talk a little bit about the draft now. 12 picks overall, two picks in round one, two and three, so six picks overall in the first three rounds. And this is a great opportunity for the, the Chiefs to kind of reload that roster. And you know, outside of a receiver, which we, we already know about, what are some other positions that you expect Brad, uh, Brett Veach to address in the early parts of the draft? Yeah, they've, they've got a few holes in their roster. They need some help uh, at pass rusher. You know, the Chiefs were 29th in the league in sacks last year. That's not going to cut it. I mean, they can't get to where they want to get to defensively um, at, at doing that. I mean, they, they have to uh, – Steve Spagnuolo's um, uh, system is predicated on rushing quarterback. So uh, um, that that's a spot that I'm definitely looking at. Uh, they're a little thin at corner and uh, can use some help there. I expect them to draft at least one corner, maybe two. Could use some help at safety. Um, uh, you know, it's not too early to think about replacing Travis Kelsey and uh, not this year, certainly, but somewhere down the line, he's 32 years old. So, you know, the chiefs have some things they can do with these picks. And, uh, I mean, it's good. It's a good year for them to, to uh, need uh, to have some picks because, uh, um, they, they have some needs for sure. Yeah. Before I let you run here, you know, the luxury of having, all of that ammunition that the Chiefs have in the draft is that they can afford themselves to be uh, aggressive. They could, they could, they have the ability to move up. And you know, we see it every year: guys in the draft who everyone expects to be taken in the top ten, they slip a little bit, and either they end up falling into the lap of another team, or you know, you have someone come up in the trade and and, and pick them up. So you know, based on what you know about uh, Brett Veach, do, do you think it's possible? let's say the scenario of like an edge rusher or a cornerback, which you just mentioned as needs should fall, um, you know, might be high on their draft board. Would you be shocked to see a, a trade up? No, I wouldn't. Um, you know, they certainly have the draft picks to do that. So, um, you know, depending on how far they go, no, I, I don't see that now. Um, I don't see them getting into the top 10 because then you're talking about trading a lot of these picks and possibly, turning this into a one player draft, you know, and then that this can't be that for the chiefs. They just can't come away with a wide receiver or a edge rusher or whatever, or a corner, whatever. And they, they need to cover some ground here. So I, I think they will be smart with them with that. I, I don't think they'll necessarily uh, go up real far, but I, I would be surprised right now. They hold the 29th and 30th picks in the first round. I'd be surprised if they used both those on draft day. I think uh, one of those and possibly both will be gone when the draft rolls around. Some other team will own those. 
Yeah, it should be interesting to see how it all plays out. You know, the uh, the draft is now uh, just a week away. But Adam Teicher, everyone, ESPN NFL Nation reporter, uh, great rundown there of the Chiefs offseason, a little bit about the draft plans. We appreciate the time and uh, keep up the great work. We'll get you on again sometime down the road. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right, that was Adam Teicher, uh, ESPN NFL Nation reporter for the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, another good rundown from him as well. So you should feel pretty good now about uh, what to expect from all the teams within the division, and there's a lot of information that was given tonight. You may want to go back and listen to this one a second time. And a little bit of a programming note here, what to expect for next week uh, with the draft being on uh, Thursday night, uh, you know, as you know, the Raiders won't be selecting in round one unless they trade up. But uh, what I'll probably end up doing is holding off a couple of days until the draft is over. So you may not hear from me until uh, maybe the weekend or, or maybe even to the early part of next week on Monday. Um, I want to wait till the, the draft is completely wrapped up. And uh, depending on who they select, they may want to try to get a guest on. So um, just be patient with me next week, but I definitely will be trying to get something out to you uh, to discuss you know, the selections in the draft and, and whatnot. So that is the plan uh, for next week. Until then, though, uh, that is going to do it for this week's show. Big thanks again to all of our guests. Uh, please make sure you're subscribing to this podcast. Follow me on Twitter at egroat 5 as well. Uh, if you're kind enough, please leave me a positive review and rating. I hope everyone goes out there and has a great weekend. I know the weather's supposed to be really good here on the East Coast, so I'm going to go out and enjoy it myself. Um, until then, everyone, I'm Evan Grote, and you're listening to Just Pod Baby. And as always, just win, baby.